Listening to Cannabis Health Radio. Here are your hosts, Ian Jessup and Corey Yelland. And welcome to another edition of Cannabis Health Radio. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Yelland. Did you know that one in 68 children has been identified with autism spectrum disorder, according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention? It's nearly five times more common in boys than girls. And on the website Sensi Seeds, it says some forms of autism are believed to result from an insufficient amount of endocannabinoids, the body's own healthy molecules, that are very similar to phytocannabinoids like THC and CBD provided by the herbs like cannabis. A lack of endocannabinoids has been labeled endocannabinoid deficiency and is known to be responsible for a multitude of diseases and conditions. It is theorized that this dysfunction in the production of proper levels of endocannabinoids may be one of the primary causes of autism. CB2 receptors play a significant role in regulation of the immune system. Because problems with the immune system are so closely related to autism, the authors of the study concluded that the use of cannabinoids and therapies that target CB2 receptors might be helpful for those who suffer from autism spectrum disorder. And joining us from the U.S. is Heidi who doesn't want us to use her last name, which is fine. We won't do that. She's going to tell us the story of her son and the remarkable positive changes in him after using cannabis. Heidi, it's very good of you to join us. Thanks very much. Thank you for having me. Tell us the story of Jaden, your son. So my son, Jaden, I could tell something was a little different when he was a little over a year. And um, the pediatrician agreed with me when he was about 18 months. So we started um, doing therapies that they recommended for his symptoms. And we finally did get him diagnosed and tested um, right at like two years and 10 months. And he did start to have speech before we noticed all of this. And then that completely disappeared. So he is nonverbal. And then he had, he's always had problems with noise. I mean, any kind of noise, if there's a bird chirping and a locust outside, he's covering his ears. Like I don't even notice things that he can hear. And so it's hard. It's it was hard for us to do anything like go to the movies um, as a family, go out to eat, go to Chuck E. Cheese. I mean, like, you know, Sesame Street Live, all of that um, was more painful for him than it was fun. Heidi, is the, the noise hard on his ears? Does it hurt him in some way? Do you know? It's like the doctors that um, not his pediatrician, but a specialist described it as like an extreme high pitch or high frequency to us. So it would be. um very distracting if not painful it's like the doctor said it's like you're trying to take an exam and you have a freight train streaming right by next to you and you're trying to concentrate and you can't because all you can feel in here is the freight train Mm. but it's just regular low noises that do that to him and then um he had a lot of stimming flapping the hands staring off uh would laugh hysterically at nothing or well we say nothing because we had no clue why he started laughing just out of the blue and so um, I came across something about the oil, and I got in tech, uh, contact with Corey, 
and she um, pointed us in the right direction. And once we started it, it was amazing. It was like this fog was lifted off of his brain. He was calmer. He didn't stare off. He could actually pay attention. He made more eye contact with his teachers and with his therapist. It was like the wall was removed and he could actually pay attention to what they were trying to help him with and teach him. And he would actually like, you know, look at them, lean forward, pay attention, do it, repeat it. Uh, you know, he does it at home. We can go to movies now. We we do all kinds of stuff we could never do before. Most children with autism don't have very good sleep patterns. They don't sleep very well during the night. They don't sleep very long. And so that makes it harder during the day for them and for everybody else, too, because you're just tired. Well, his sleep was we would lay down and I mean, it didn't matter how tired he was. He would just get more amped up the more tired he got. And we wouldn't go to bed until midnight or one o'clock. And then we're waking up at five and six in the morning. And so everybody, you know, was just miserable, poor thing. And after starting the oil, I mean, it's not a problem at all. I say, okay, it's time to go night, night. And he goes and jumps in bed. It's like nine o'clock at night, goes right to sleep within 15 minutes and sleeps clear till like seven or seven thirty in the morning. And so that's helped a lot with school because he's able, he's just he feels better he can focus more and um, it's just it's been life changing for me because everything that is great for him is also great for me too so it's been really wonderful as a matter of fact we had to get off in the middle of the summer for two months and I was so nervous about it I couldn't wait to get back on we had to go do some we went to the cerebrum center and he did some um, brain diagnostics and he had to get a lot of blood tests done. Man, it was awful. I had forgotten. Like once you've been on it so long and you have all this positive progress, you forget a little bit. And I mean, like he couldn't hardly function. He was just doing output noise all the time. He would not only hold his ears, but he was making noises because it was just too much coming in for him. And he couldn't even hear what I was saying or listen to me. It was awful. And then about a week and a half after we got back on, he's back to normal. And I'm like, oh, thank goodness. It's been great. It's interesting how he uh, behaves one way without the oil and behaves, starting to behave somewhat normally with the oil. And Yes. Yeah. Did it take very long for you to see the changes once you started the oil? No, honestly, when we first started it initially, it was only like two or three days and I started to see a couple of few changes. And then after two weeks, there was drastic changes. Wow. When you say there were drastic changes, did it come as a bit of a shock to you? Were you somewhat skeptical about using cannabis oil initially? My husband was extremely skeptical. I'm always open to things and I want to try new things. And if it doesn't work, we can move on. So I always take it, you know, lightly. But he was extremely skeptical. But he even he was like, I do have to admit, he's like, I do notice a difference. (laughs) (laughs) So what were the first changes that you noticed, Heidi? The the stimming stopped, the flapping and running back and forth um, stopped, it, it calmed down a lot. Holding his ears decreased a lot. It didn't decrease 100% at first, um, and he still does it every so often now, so I think I need to up his dose a little bit because we did decrease or start him at a half dose when we started back. Right. But the, holding his ears, his attention span and his, his ability to focus and actually just engage in the activity or the people talking to him you know to listen to me like i could tell him go get your tennis shoes go get and it's just like like he's ignoring me and now i say it he'll stop and look at me and go get him and that was stuff that he did after we first started it his speech he's not huge on speech because he does have apraxia too but he's trying harder to get the words out and he has a lot more syllables and sounds 
You said pre- that was. Sorry, did you say praxia too? Yeah, he has speech apraxia, which is separate from autism. But it goes. A lot of kids who have autism do have that too. What is that? It's basically where your brain is fully functioning with what you know you want to say, but the part of the brain that sends it to the mouth is jumbled up, like in the neurons. And so you know what you want to say, but it won't come out right, or you can't get it out. So that's the part we're working really hard on because speech is just amazed at how well and in tune he is with listening to her and doing what she says. Like if she says, put your tongue posterior behind your teeth and, you know, to do this particular sound, he actually does it. And she said most kids, um, most kids his age don't understand that or don't do it when she asks them to do that. How much cannabis oil is Jaden on? He is currently on just um, 0.1 mil a day. When we initially started it, we were doing uh, one uh, one mil, point one, point one mil in the morning and one point one mil in the evening. It just seemed like it was a little too much at first because he just seemed a little too groggy and just kind of too carefree. Mm-hmm. So we backed it down to the point one, and he was doing good. But um, I think I need to go closer to the point one in the morning and point one in the evening again. Is he on a tincture or on oil? I can't remember. He's on the um, fire kitty. Kitty, the yeah. Okay, so that's um. Uh, got some frankincense and myrrh and calendula, and yeah, I think uh, it has cinnamon. Um, it's an olive oil base. Yeah, and then some cannabis. What's mm-hmm. it called again? F- Fire Kitty. It's Fire just, Kitty. Yeah. How old is Jaden? He just turned five at the end of November. Just turned five. So from the age of two to uh, close to five, you were dealing with a severely autistic child. And it must have been. And health- now he's must have been oh, helpful. Yeah, gonna- <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. yeah, it it really was. Now he's um kind of moderate to mild. He has some mild tendencies, and then of course his speech is still severe. So they consider it moderate now because it has improved some. But yeah, he went from severe in most areas to decrease into moderate and mild in most areas now. But yes, it was hell on me. It's it's extremely stressful because you're tired all the time, and you know you can't help your child. You feel helpless. Probably frustrated. And, yeah, and it's just saddening to see that you can't go do a lot of the same things that the other kids are doing and you think you're missing out, you know, going to Sesame Street Live or other shows or, you know, all kinds of stuff. Even just birthday parties, if it's too loud or too much echo and stuff. So, I mean, now that we can fully go enjoy that and he is just having a blast. It is like a whole new world. The stress is decreased drastically in me. I feel so much better. I feel more confident. And, you know, it's just great overall. How does he get along with other kids? He loves other kids. He doesn't really play in the same activities that they play in, but he loves to run up to other kids and try to engage with them. And, like, he loves um, a lot of gross motor play. Like, if we're at a park, he'll love to go down slides and play with kids and stuff like that. Yeah, interesting. Heidi, do you when you... When you give him the oil and you start to increase the oil, do you see a day when Jaden will be able to communicate like the rest of us? Oh, definitely. The changes I've seen since before we started and now we've been on it for almost, I think, almost a year and a half or two years. The, even the speech therapist, she's like, Mom, all we need is a little bit more time because he is right there. Like He, he knows his words and he wants to get them out. Well, Heidi, I got to tell you, right from the beginning, I just had this feeling that this was really going to change his world around. And um, I have every confidence that he's going to, uh, every bit of confidence that he's going to speak like 
you and I and me converse. too. I used to be worried, and you you know, as a parent, you try to do everything you can to get them where they need to be. And I was always worried whether we were going to get there or not. But I'm fully confident that we are going to get there. I don't know if it's going to be another year or another you know three years, but we're going to get there soon. I can feel it, and I can see it too. Do people in the medical profession know you're giving your son cannabis oil? My pediatrician does, and he is very open to things. Of course, he does not prescribe it, but um, he's like, hey, if it works, he's like, you can't deny that. And he loves to look at new research for things. He's a very forward-moving person. I guess he just has to abide with the laws. Yeah, you're very lucky. You're very lucky in that regard. Yes. Now, some, yeah, some people, I would be deathly afraid to even have them think that we're on it because they would probably call Child Protective Services. But I do have to say I'm, I'm very happy with our, um, being able to talk to a medical professional about it. And he was very interested to see how it works, too. Yeah. Do you have conversations with other parents who are in a similar position as you were or are? Yes, I have had um, conversations with parents who've been who have, you know, tried it. Um, you know, they have people that go to California and establish a doctor so they can make sure they can get it for their child or they move to Colorado and then I have other people that are kind of on the fence. And so we talk about it and I have a mom right now that I was going to talk to Corey about. She's interested in finding out some more information or, or getting connected and getting pointed in the right direction. And, um, and then some people are just not there yet, but yeah, I, if there's an opportunity, I definitely talk to them about it. Yeah. Your husband's there, isn't he? He's changed. Yeah. He's changed his opinion. He has. He really has. Because he he was a little against it at first, and he's like, okay. And I'm always like pro. Like, let's try it. And so he's like, okay, we can try it. But if it doesn't work, we're stopping. And when he saw it, he's like, okay. He's like, all right, I'm with you on this one. We're moving actually um, after the first of the year, and he's like, make sure you have enough in case you can't order it. You know, as soon as we get there or something. I'm like, don't worry, I will. Are you moving out of state? We are. We're moving to Virginia. Oh, okay. Is Virginia a legal state or not? It is not. Massachusetts just became legal. Massachusetts and Maine just became um, legal, like j- literally just now. Mm-hmm. But uh, Virginia is not yet. So you're, have, you're going to have to experience the same problems uh, in Virginia as you do where you're living now. Yes. Yeah. Well, I sure look forward to a time where this isn't even an issue. And, you know, as much as I've seen, like, I mean, I never thought all the states that are legal now and all the states that are talking about it and two more just switched over. I'm like, man, it's only a matter of time. I hope it can go faster than it's going. But I hope it does spread across the whole U.S. You know, we uh, interviewed uh, Dr. Bob Malamide uh, a few weeks back. And one of the questions that he had asked him was whether he thought that um, this would go legal in his lifetime. And he said, absolutely, without a doubt. I mean, I just don't understand. If it's something that is not hurting you and it's it's making your well-being better, your health better, you know, mental status better, I don't understand the issue why it's being held back so much. Well, I think the issue, Heidi, is that in 1937, since 1937, almost 80 years, we've been propagandized to think that uh, marijuana is this uh, terrible drug that is going to drive people crazy, commit murders, and uh, for men, it's going to rape women. And that was the sort of demonization that was imposed in the 1930s. And it's still there today. I mean, you, we can talk to uh, friends of mine, friends of Corey's, that uh, nearly to a person, most of them, when you talk about marijuana, have a very skeptical view of it. But mm-hmm. once, I mean, I was one of those people until I met Corey. 
And uh, because that was what we were taught growing up, that marijuana was bad for you. You'd be a stoner. Uh, you're, you're crazy. Why do you do that? But when you look at the research, there's so much research into the benefits of marijuana. And the interesting thing is nobody has died from it. Not one person in history has died from overconsumption of marijuana. Right. So it's, it's, it's really an educational uh an educational process that we have to go through, and I think that uh, you're, you're going through it, your husband is, is going through it, and hopefully by telling your story, uh, other parents can kind of change their attitude towards uh, marijuana and its medicinal benefits. Yeah, I, I agree, because my husband, I thought he was going to be a tough cookie. He is very set in his ideas and his logic. And, I mean, he as soon as he saw it, he reversed it. He did a, a 180. Yeah, you, so, have, you have to have personal experience with this in order to uh, to figure it out. But uh, that yeah. that's good. I remember, you know, back in the day when you first got him on this, um, you telling me the story of how um, when, he, when the school bus came or the bus came to get him, everybody in the neighborhood <gasps> knew that it was there yes. because he, he created such he, a fuss. He would literally hold onto the door frames of us trying to go out of the... It was heart-wrenching for me. And I would almost want to bring him every day, but he would cry when we get to school anyways. And then we got the oil, and I kept telling the bus driver, I have this medicine that's coming. I think when we start his medicine, it's going to help. And when we were finally able to get it, it was... She was like, oh, my God. I don't know what the medicine you didn't have, but you have it now. She's like, make sure he doesn't ever miss it again. Because he he was he was so much better about it. Like I don't know what his anxiety was with the bus, but after he you know had got back on his regular dose of oil, it was all it was non-existent. He he got on the bus no problem. You know he did his little fidget toys or he sat there and just watched out the window and there was no problem. Because I mean he would cry. I could hear him going down the street on the bus and still hear him crying before he got out the subdivision. And I was like I just wanted to go get him. I was like oh my gosh my poor baby. Oh it must have ripped but, your heart out. It did. It did. But then and it was just it was amazing. It really I don't know if it was all the noise and the anxiety of the bus in general. I don't know what it was exactly. But I mean, it helped calm him down completely and helped with all of the sensory overload issues. Heidi, what's the difference between autism spectrum disorder and ADHD and things like that? Well, um, autism spectrum disorder can be the whole array of autism. Like if you have Asperger's, it's very high-functioning autism. Usually they can talk and they just have social problems, um, like just, you know, making friends or proper social interactions and stuff like that. They take everything literally, usually don't understand. If you say, hey, let's hit the pavement, they say, well, why do you want to do that? It's hard. Yeah. Um, And then you have all the way, you know, to the other end of the spectrum where you'll have more nonverbal kids and sensory issues might be across the board. They might have low sensory, high sensory. They might have sight, uh, bright light sensory issues or sound sensory issues. And then ADD or ADHD is less of the connections in the brain having an issue or misfiring and more of like your attention deficit disorder, your hyperactivity. And there's more uh, usually behavioral problems there and they have more behavioral um plans set in place to help with that and that no problems talking and stuff like that. But I do find most kids with autism is when they can find the way to express themselves or to show you what they know, they are so smart. Because I was reading a study the other day, it says kids with autism process 25% more than our neurotypical brain does. So they have that much more coming at them and they process it. So sometimes that's why they have that sensory overload. If they, like Carly Fleischman in Canada, 
when she said she would look at somebody, it was like she was looking at a thousand pictures at once and it was just too much. And that's why Mm -hmm. she had to close her eyes Mm -hmm. and she didn't like to look at people in their eyes. So it's just, it's a whole array, but um, Mm. it can be so many different things. I guess with your son, with his uh, speech therapist, he, she said he's obviously doing uh, extremely well. Therefore, the cannabis oil has helped him with his processing. Would it be fair to say it's like a computer yeah. processor? If you get too much information. Okay, are you there? Yeah. The, the question I asked is uh, with his speech therapist saying that he's doing extremely well, would it be fair to say that Jaden's processing has too much information, is processing it within his brain, he has too much information and can't discern one thing from another? It might be. I don't know exactly if that's what they would say. Because um, he can um, he can do stuff on paper and he can show them on the tablet different ways of communication that he is doing properly and um, no problems there. I don't, so, I mean, I think his sensory overload comes in when he, if he starts squinting his eyes and hold, like, you know, covering his eyes, covering his ears, and it's just too much coming in at once. And then that's usually when a child might have a meltdown if it's just way too much overload. And that's when they're kicking and screaming on the floor. You can tell the difference between a tantrum and a meltdown is if a child is just having a meltdown. They're not looking at you to see if you're looking at them. They don't care. They are just an overload. A child who's having a tantrum wants you to look at them because they want that attention. They're trying to get that from you. So they're going to be paying attention to what you're doing and looking at you also. It's interesting you say that because I've seen kids in supermarkets do that. Yeah, like, okay, I have a four-year-old and a five-year-old. My five-year-old, of course, has the autism. My other one doesn't. If my five-year-old starts having a fit and I walk off, he's going to just stay there having his fit. You know, he's you know he's having his overload issue or whatever at that time. My four-year-old, I walk off because I'm not entertaining that. He gets up and follows me into the other room, looks at me to see if I'm looking at him, and then falls out again. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> now, do you notice um, a difference in the way your um, two sons interact now that um, Jaden's doing so much better? Yeah, my, my son. Okay, so my oldest one with the autism, he's a very calmer, easygoing type child. And my younger one wants to be the boss of everything. Mm-hmm. And so... So Jaden can tolerate him better and because the youngest one wants to play with him a lot, but sometimes he's a little overbearing with it. But now they can have more fun and play together and do more activities together. So I have noticed that. Well, that's nice, eh? And they do more things of the same thing together. Like Jaden didn't, he couldn't tolerate a lot of the stuff that neurotypical kids can do. And so they couldn't do a lot together, but now they actually are enjoying those things together. And that is very heartwarming for me too. Let me get back to the question of this this fire kitty. Is it high in THC or CBD or balance? THC. THC is higher in THC. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And so when you gave him a bit more uh, of the uh, fire kitty, he was sleepy. But then you cut back and uh, you say you're going to increase it slightly. Yeah, he. Uh, yeah, when we first started it, I think it was a little, a little overkill at first because he just seemed so easygoing and so relaxed. He didn't seem like he had a whole lot of motivation. And now, I think we, when we right before we stopped it in the summer, we had found the perfect dose because he had great initiative. He, you know, he's sleeping in a timely manner, and he's not like overly relaxed where he's not motivated to do his tasks. But um, now I need, I'm in the middle of finding that happy medium, but we're going to get there. He's, he's doing pretty good with it still. Yeah. Of course, one of the things that will happen, too, is that he'll build up 
um, a tolerance to the THC. You know, I was wondering about that. I wanted to ask you, Corey, if you thought that maybe like after so long, if you get up so high that do I need to like stop it for a month to where he can lower that tolerance and then start it again, like, you know, every couple Mm. of years or something? I don't know if I'd be stopping it. Um, Or just keep going with the higher dose. I'd keep going with the, the higher dose and just monitor it. Okay. And I'd also check in with the source and uh, mention that issue. And we should uh, advise people we are not uh, medical doctors. No. And uh, I think the interesting thing about this is that uh, most medical doctors don't know anything about this. But uh, what we're trying to do here is uh, help educate people and give them a better understanding of the use of cannabis oil. Heidi, it was very good of you to do this. Uh, It's great to hear that uh, Jaden's doing well, getting improving, getting better. Anything you'd like to say to uh, listeners in conclusion? Just that, you know, there are other alternatives out there, and I definitely recommend exploring them because it's been life-changing for us. Yeah, fantastic. It was good to talk to you, Heidi. Thank you very much for this. Heidi, I can't, tell you, I can't tell you how thrilled I am for you to see such a huge change in Jaden. This is uh, just and wonderful. I appreciate all of your time and all of your help because I know you're very busy with very important things. So I really appreciate everything. Uh, no problem. This is, this is my reward, hearing how well he's doing. We thank Heidi for taking time out of her busy day to tell us the story of her son, Jaden. We hope you enjoy our podcasts and they provide some value to you. If you have any suggestions for interviews or any suggestions or comments on the program, send us an email at info at CannabisHealthRadio.com. And I'd like to remind listeners that Cannabis Health Radio is supported by our listeners. Corey and I would encourage you to go to the donate page on our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com, and make a pledge. You can make a one-time donation, or you can become a monthly supporter for as little as $3 a month, the price of a cup of coffee. Wherever you are in the world, we thank you for your support, and thank you for listening. You've been listening to the Cannabis Health Radio Podcast. Visit our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to PodConnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, I'm Gary, and I invite you to discover the Cannabis Podcast, a bi-weekly podcast focused on a Canadian's cannabis culture. I would be the Canadian, and my cannabis passion and culture has been building for five decades. I share that passion for this wonderful plant in every episode, through conversations with cannabis advocates and enthusiasts, stories about the ever-changing legal environment, and some hands-on testing of product in a segment I call Cultivar Corner. The Cannabis Podcast, a Canadian's cannabis culture, one token at a time.